you would uh, please remain standing as we turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 21 through 39. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, And she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town. Of Nazareth. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You may be seated. And as you do, if you please, bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts may be pleasing and honoring in your sight. O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. It's amazing how God works sometimes. Let me rephrase that. Uh, It's amazing how God works all the time. (laughs) Uh, But sometimes we see it in extraordinary ways. Um, The passage that we have this morning, Luke 2, 21-39, of Jesus' dedication at the temple, His circumcision, That was not planned out that we would have a baptism this morning. Um, I am just thrilled when God works in that way. Um, Ben and Beth approached me a couple of weeks ago uh, to have Addison baptized. I said that would be great. I said it would be the 19th. I looked at the the sermon schedule. I was like, that would be perfect. Um, God uh, does work in amazing ways. 
one of the things that helped that to happen was the fact that we skipped a Sunday a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that even makes it more extraordinary. So um, we are back on track as we go through the Gospel of Luke. Um, we had gone forward and then backwards to pick up the songs of Mary and Zechariah. And from here on out now, we will be just marching through the book of Luke, uh, taking the next um, maybe couple of years uh, to go through the book of Luke. Um, so uh, this morning, we get uh, a glimpse into the lives of three people, or in a sense, three groups of people. And we'll be looking at them this morning and what they teach us uh, about the Lord and our reaction to the Lord. And we're going to start with Mary and Joseph. Precious Mary and Joseph, uh, the, the parents of Jesus. As you know, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Uh, Mary and Joseph were originally from Nazareth, but there was the census. Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So they head to Bethlehem because that's their hometown to register. And while they were there, Jesus is born. Um, Luke doesn't give us the complete picture of his first couple of years. We turn to Matthew as well uh, to get a few more of the details. Uh, this is why it helps to have four Gospels. We get a more complete picture of Jesus' life. Um, but after eight days, after he is born, after he is visited by the shepherds, the angels sing their song, um, they bring Jesus to be circumcised. Um, most likely this is in Bethlehem. Um, Women will know, probably, uh, can attest to the fact that eight days after you've had a child, you probably don't want to go back to Nazareth, go on a long journey. You're probably pretty tired, worn out. So most likely the circumcision happened in Bethlehem. They'd stayed there for a while. And after that, uh, 40 days, they presented him in the temple. And they did this for two reasons. Uh, According to the law, Firstborn males are to be dedicated to the Lord. We read that in our passage this morning. But also, according to the law, Mary was required to offer sacrifices uh, for her cleansing. Um, Having a child made her unclean, according to the law, and so this was for her purification. So after 40 days, 40 days after giving birth, they take a trek to Jerusalem, and they take Jesus up there to the temple, Uh, so that they can offer sacrifices and dedicate him to the Lord. So Mary and Joseph, as we see in our passage this morning, were obedient to the Lord their God. And we see that they displayed proper priorities in their parenting because they acted in accordance with the law of God. Even though they were in a, a foreign town, they, after eight days, obeyed the law of God and had Jesus circumcised. And they placed on him the sign of the covenant. They placed on him the mark indicating that he was part of God's people, that he was part of Israel, those who are set apart and holy for God. And then, after 40 days, they dedicated their child to the Lord. As I said, they made the trek from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, Uh, to do what God required of them. Uh, We get a little glimpse into the life of Mary and Joseph here in in small details. Um, Because of their sacrifice, what they brought to the Lord, 
we know that Mary and Joseph were extremely poor. Uh, this is part of Jesus' humiliation. The king of kings, uh, the one who owns a cattle, the cattle on a thousand hills, um, he is born to parents who can't even uh, afford a lamb, which is the typical sacrifice in this instance. But instead, they, uh, as poor, they bring two turtle doves or two pigeons um, to bring as an offering to dedicate their child to the Lord. But as godly parents, they do what God requires. Uh, You've heard that it was said, or maybe you've said it yourself, uh, as you've raised your children, that kids do not come with an instruction manual. Uh, I've heard that a lot. Uh, I may have even said it myself. And this is true. Uh, Parenting, as my wife and I can attest, uh, is a lot of trial and error. Uh, I remember when Elliot was first born, uh, it seems like we would have a meeting about every week to say, you know what, this is, we're struggling with this. This isn't going right. What are we going to do? How are we going to fix it? Okay, let's try that for a while. If that doesn't work, maybe we'll try something else. Um, uh, parenting is a lot of trial, trial and error. But God uses that in the lives of parents. He is working in the lives of parents just as much as He is working in the lives of the children as well. But even though we don't have an instruction manual that when you walk out of the hospital, they hand you something and, and lay it out for you. Okay, uh, the first day, this is what you do. Day two, this is, this is what you do. Um, even though we don't have an instruction manual like that, uh, God has set out for us. He has not left us high and dry to figure out what we're supposed to do as parents. First of all, He's given us our own parents. He's given us Christian community. And He's given us His Word. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn over to Psalm 78. Asaph in Psalm 78 in verses 1-4 through speaks to parents, uh, to the nation of Israel in general, but to parents specifically. He says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching, Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and of His might, the wonders that He has done. God has called us as parents to pass on to the next generation the wonderful, the glorious things that He has done. So my question for you as parents and for myself as well, uh, what are the priorities that you have for your children? Because your priorities are revealed in how we raise our children. In a sense, how would we define, or how would you define success as a parent? Um, As I shared this past week, um, a family from our previous church, about a week and a half ago, lost their 18-year-old daughter to a tragic car accident. Uh, I heard this morning of another family in this area that lost their 4-year-old child to an ATV accident. And when you think about losing your child 
and the grief that comes with that. Um, obviously, our friends, uh, Andy and Liz, as parents, are going to look back on the 18 years that they had with their daughter, Helen. What are they going to think about the time that they spent with them? How would they define success? Obviously, there's going to be some regrets. There always is, because there's no such thing as perfect parents. We do a lot as parents to prepare our children for this life. Obviously, we clothe them, we feed them, we educate them, uh, we have them involved in activities. Um, But how good of a job are we doing preparing our children for eternal life? What are we doing preparing our children not only for this this life that is but a, a breath or a whisper, but what are we doing to prepare our children for the life to come. Because speaking with those friends of ours, Andy and Liz, who lost their child, that's their focus now. Uh, it was their focus earlier, but it took on a renewed meaning um, losing their 18 year old daughter. It was in very tragic circumstances. Uh, a few years ago, um, I took a, a several days, and uh, I took a little sabbatical. My wife was very gracious to me, and we had three kids at the time, and uh, she allowed me to have a few days to, in a sense, go out in the woods and do what every good introvert like myself likes to do, uh, just recharge my batteries for a little while, and uh, just some, spend some time in, in prayer, in Bible reading, uh, in fasting, and just seeking the Lord. Um, I needed that time, and uh, she graciously gave that to me. And uh, while I was there, um, I felt God laying on my heart to, uh, to lay out a vision for our family. And uh, I came up through Scripture and through prayer, I came up with five points that I wanted our family to be the vision, to be the, uh, the goal of our, our family. And while we were in Georgia, we had it posted on our refrigerator. And um, for some reason, it did not make uh, the trek here to Arkansas. Uh, I wish that it had. Uh, I wish that it was still on our refrigerator because I needed to be reminded of it. And as I was preparing uh, this week, I was reminded of our vision. And uh, I just want to share that with you uh, this morning. Um, This is uh, something that we desire as a family. Um, and this is not something that we have perfect. Uh, this is obviously uh, something that I need to be reminded of, but I wanted to share it with you this morning. Number one is that we will battle for each other's souls. That the greatest desire that we will have for each other as a family will be to see Christ being formed inside of each of us. And we can do this not in our own strength, but by the Holy Spirit working in us to release the power of Christ in us to hear each other's souls. Number two, that we will seek to live out life in caring community. This is actually what drew us here to Trinity. Our family needs the true fellowship of a caring Christian community that we can share in the following. 
growing in spiritual maturity together, serving the world together, and increasing in love for one another. Number three, that we will impact the world around us without conforming to it. Our family will seek not to be a holy huddle, but instead we will seek to be salt and light to a dying and a dark world around us. We will pray for our neighbors and actively seek out opportunities to be witnesses for and of Jesus. Number four, we will seek to keep life simple. That our family will not be defined by our family, excuse me, will be defined by our spiritual possessions, not by our material possessions. We will place priority on godliness rather than on gadgets. What we do have we will share with others for the glory of God. And finally, and I think this is the most difficult one, uh, we will honestly confess and graciously forgive. That our family will be a safe place where all members can share struggles with sin openly and honestly with each other, knowing that they won't be judged, condemned, or shamed. And we will lovingly call each other to godliness as we journey together on the road of sanctification. Um, I hesitated to share that with you because I don't want to give you the impression that this is what we do as a family. That we are just uh, the perfect family. Um, we struggle with every single one of those things. And the reason why we had it on our refrigerator was to remind us of these things constantly. Um, and uh, Stephanie, you will be happy to know that this is going to be put back up on our refrigerator uh, to be, uh, so that we can be reminded uh, of what God is calling us to as a family. But uh, what is the vision that you guys have for your family? Uh, dads, I encourage you to develop uh, a vision for your family. Uh, it doesn't have to be five points and put up on your refrigerator. Uh, but God has called you to lead your family. And I pray that you would, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, lead and lead your family well. But this is not just for parents. Uh, I don't want the rest of you who are not parents or whose children have, uh, are, are grown uh, to think that this is not for you as well. This is for all of us. Because as members of Trinity, you took an oath this morning. You, you swore that you would help Ben and Beth raise Addison. Addison is our responsibility as a church. It's not just Ben and Beth. It's our responsibility. My children are your responsibility as well as mine. And it should be our desire as a church to see Addison grow up in faith in her Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, just as it is Ben and Beth's desire to see that. So I charge you to make good on your promise to help these parents, uh, to pray for them, to pray with them, to mentor them, uh, to give them grace, to show them the love of Christ, to hold their child during the service if they need that, um, to lovingly correct them when they need correcting. Uh, those are hard things to do, uh, especially in our culture today, but we need that as a body of Christ. So that is Mary and Joseph, what they show us. Um, 
And before we get ahead of ourselves, we need to realize something, that the way that we as parents lead our families depends on one thing. I don't want us to think that we just muster up the strength and we do that on our own. It has to do with our relationship that we have with Christ. And this is where Simeon and Anna come in because they show us the effect of the gospel on our lives. Simeon was a man who lived in Jerusalem. Uh, We don't know how old he is. We assume he is old um, because he says that he is ready to die in peace, but we don't know for sure. Uh, We do know that he had the distinction of being told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. That is an amazing revelation for him. And so he was in the temple patiently awaiting for the consolation of Israel. And he's led by the Holy Spirit to come to the temple when Jesus is there, when Mary and Joseph are bringing him to be dedicated. And when he sees Jesus, you can imagine the scene. Imagine him running up to them and suddenly grabbing this baby from Mary's arms. Uh, I would love to see the expression on Mary's face as this complete stranger suddenly grabs her child from him. Uh, I'm sure she was shocked. And he immediately starts singing over this child. Um, We've looked at the the songs of, of Mary and of Zechariah, and now we see the song of Simeon here this morning. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. It's beautiful. But not only does he sing over Jesus, but he also prophesies to Mary. And he tells her that, yes, it is amazing that you have had this child, um, the joy that you have with that, but this child will also suffer. And that a sword will pierce your soul as well. In a sense, what Simeon does is he reveals the gospel to Mary and to us. This is the gospel that God had ordained before the foundation of the world, that he would send his son Jesus Christ into this world to suffer and to die. You know, I don't know of many things worse for a parent than to see their child suffering. I shared with you several months ago uh, the story of how Oliver, when we had first moved here, um, I was grilling and he backed up into the grill, touching his elbow just for a split second on a red-hot grill. And just the pain that he suffered, the half an hour of crying that ensued after that, and the several days' worth of having to clean his wounds twice a day, um, it was agonizing for him, um, but it was torture for us as parents, having to see him suffer. But this is why Jesus came. He came to bear the penalty of our sin. The fact that we were alienated from God because of our sin, that our sin created a divide between us and our Father in heaven. And the only way that that could be made right again, the only way that salvation could be accomplished was through Jesus and His suffering. And the Gospel is the good news that God loves us so much that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In fact, Jesus came to die so that we might live. Simeon says that Jesus came so that the thoughts of men's hearts might be revealed. 
There are some who will receive this in faith and turn to Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and there are some who will not. Simeon promised that Jesus would be divisive. For those who believe in Christ, the great promises of God are that all of God's riches are offered to you in Christ Jesus. Don't think physical blessings here, but spiritual blessings. But for those who do not accept Christ, the Bible is clear. We remain in our condemnation. God's wrath remains on us. But it doesn't have to be that way. When we hear the good news of the Gospel, we can react in the way that Anna did. I love the character of Anna. Uh, She is, we know for sure that she is an old woman, at least in her 80s. Her husband died after only seven years of marriage. So if she was like Mary when she got married, maybe 13, that means after seven years of marriage, she was probably 20. So by this time, she is in her 80s. That means that she had been spending at least 60 years. A widow. 60 years. Spending her time in the temple, fasting, praying, worshiping God. And she comes up on the scene as Simeon is singing and is prophesying, and she reacts by giving thanks to God and telling those around her about the coming redemption of Jerusalem. And this is what I want to leave us with this morning. That the proper response to Jesus, like Anna, is worship and witness. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I reminded us of our mission as a church. That Trinity Fellowship Church desires to glorify God by equipping believers to worship God and be witnesses of Him in central Arkansas and to the ends of the earth. This is our mission as a church. This is what Anna did in her reaction to Jesus. And this is what we are called to do As a believer, we are called to worship and to witness. To say thanks be to God for what He has done for us in Christ. As it says in Ephesians 1, verses 3 and 4. Because first and foremost, we are worshipers of God. God has created us to worship. So parents, if you want to lead your family well, first and foremost, be a worshiper of God. If you want your children to be worshipers of God, we must first be worshipers ourselves. We're also called to be witnesses. If this good news of Jesus saving us from our sin is truly good news, then the obvious response is to share it with those uh, around us, that good news with others. It's exactly what Anna did immediately and what we are to do as Christians as well. We are called to share the gospel with the nations That's extremely important. That's why we support missions in our church. Uh, But we are also called to be witnesses in our family. Uh, Ben and Beth are on the mission field with Addison. She does not know about Jesus. Uh, With our four children, my wife and I are missionaries on a mission field. Our desire is that they would know Jesus. Parents, you are on the mission field day in and day out. Um, Yes, Addison was baptized this morning, but as we said, her baptism doesn't save her. She's been set apart as a member of God's covenant family, but yet she does not know 
Jesus. So it is our duty and it is our delight to share the gospel with her. So from our passage this morning and from these three different groups of people, uh, we see from Mary and Joseph that obedience to the Lord as parents is very important. That we need to have the proper perspective in parenting that it's about the Lord and doing what God has called us to do. The eternal perspective. From Simeon, we understand the nature of the Gospel. That we have peace because Jesus Christ has come to suffer and die for our sins. And if we know Jesus, if we see through eyes of faith like Simeon saw Jesus, we can have peace as well. And we can say, now I can depart in peace. And we are called to be like Anna. May what we do always reflect worship to God and witness of Him. Let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in Heaven, Lord, it is no small thing that we can call You our Father. We thank You that You have adopted us into Your family through Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for not only Ben and Beth, but I pray for the parents as they are raising their children to love You and to know You. We pray for them as they are on the mission field in their homes. That they would be encouraged and strengthened by the power of Your Holy Spirit to be witnesses of Christ to their children. I pray that You would use our families, our grandparents, our aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, cousins, uh, Lord, that they would surround them and be witnesses for Him. And that our church family would do the same as these children uh, grow in knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that in all we do that we would be worshipers of You. That we would give to You the glory and the honor that You deserve. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.